Hello and welcome to another TV Central podcast. I'm Aaron Ryan. Today we have a very, very special guest. Pete Everett created that much attention after he was let go from Ready Steady Cook that it attracted as many hits to this site as many primetime shows do. Pete has been very busy since his departure and doing a lot of travelling, but I finally tracked him down. Peter Everett, thanks for joining me. Great to be with you, Aaron. How are you? And hello to everyone else out there in podcast land. <laughs> well, fantastic. So tell us about um, what you've been up to since Ready Steady Cook finished for you. Well, um, after Ready Steady, I um, I fled overseas. It was good, you know. I just needed to get away because I got um, tired of all my friends going. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And da 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 da. So it was just time to go. You know, last uh, it was, I don't know about embarrassing. It was very hard. I said to someone, letting for me um, losing Ready Steady was like um, sort of losing a child. You know. That, and you have no control in it. You had to let go of the child and you had no control. Um, so it was very hard for me and I just had to go away and do some healing. So it was good, it was good, it was good. And then, well, um, surely, surely your most uh, popular television career highlight was uh, the appearance on Skating on Thin Ice in 05. I hated it. I hated that, you crazy. What um, was that like? It was a terrible time. Well, bro- breaking a leg, getting blood clots, I'm, I'm, I'm getting fatter because I don't do the exercise I used to anymore. I'm not getting compensated from it. It was very odd and making it very difficult. I was with an insurance company. Can I name them or not? But um, what was it? Um, Allianz. I'm saying it. And I'd, I'd send in all my receipts. I don't know if anyone else has had this experience. They would lose them. I'd send another copy because I'd Unusual for me, I was sorry, I'd send copies, uh, photocopy them and send them. And three times until that company actually um, acknowledged, and I, because I sent it registered mail. Mm. And then it was very difficult from there on in. And um, you almost feel guilty to get sick. It was none of my doing. Plus, I was put in ice hockey boots from the mm-hmm. start, not training boots or training ice skating boots, which um, I was the only one put in them. I was told late when I found out um, through Jamie Drury made me aware that what I was wearing and why I kept falling back and hitting my back and head all the time and makes great TV but not good for the body was that that they told me why I had these boots was because there weren't uh, ice skating training ice skating boots in my size anywhere in the world I said to them I said (laughs) What a load of nonsense about misuse of people and power. Mm. But anyway, that was a terrible experience. You shouldn't have asked me because I could go on for a whole podcast on that. So um, moving on, well, next question, Aaron. Well, well, this may even get a longer response if we go back to the oh. very beginning. Uh, Queensland boy, tell me about growing up and your family. Queensland. Well, um, I was born in Charleville in central Queensland, which is a um, you know sheep sheep country. My my grandparents who um, had initially they had um, dairy uh, and cattle and grain up near Gympie. My grandmother wanted a better life for the woman, and so she actually she she went to 
Dungog with my father, who when they got out, of, he got out of the war, they bought a dry cleaning business, and which was very brave for a woman to get on a train from Gympie to Sydney and then Barford, I guess, up to um, Dungog, which is in the uh, highlands of oh, up behind Newcastle, and. Um, so she stayed there and built a business and was very popular because she was a very people person, my grandmother. She's an amazing woman, very giving, mm. kind, loving soul, amazing, amazing giving. And still learning the lesson about that, giving and never expecting in return. She was very good like that. She'd give and just walk away, never any, not expecting anything. Um, very gracious. Um, but anyway, uh, then she moved, wanted to buy a hotel, so she, they moved to Charleville and she built a, bought a hotel and my father followed her and my father married when he was on a weekend down in Brisbane from Charleville on business and I was born. Uh, it was a pretty tumultuous um, marriage, I think. Um, well, they separated when I was about three or four, which was dreadful times for me um, and I was an only, I'm a, I am an only child I have a half sister but an only child and uh, so I don't know I went into sort of fantasy land to just exist because it was painful there was a loss and you know you um, uh, create imagine play you know um, so that was great. I had lots of people, a lot of support from the people around the hotel. Uh, they, they were sort of the uncles and aunts uh, growing up, very good uncles and aunts. And it, it was good. And I left there when I was about eight or nine. They sold everything. And um, my grandparents yep. retired to Brisbane. My father bought a hotel in, in Toowoomba. And um, I eventually lived with my grandparents because my dad got sick and had cancer. Um, Shame. smoking from early childhood smoking I think in those days they used to smoke a lot I still mm -hmm. do what they told him don't smoke anybody so he had a, I watched him have a terrible death and it was again it's so unfair when you see a good person have such a terrible ending it's so unjust really but mm. I always think God works in funny ways and I remember getting through that it was a terrible time because um, again you know I was 12, 13, when he started getting sick and he died when I was about 15. So, I don't know, I I took on a lot of characters to survive. At school, I was a bit of the class clown and popular. I was always the you know, class captain and things like that. And, and it, school was, again, my playground, my playmates, because, you know, I didn't have any um, family at home. So, I, you mm. know, siblings. So, um, do you want to hear all this? Yeah, but I can I can assure you that um, many people are very supportive of you know, and quite quite. As I said to you before, we said I don't even know what a podcast is, but anyway, so <laughs> old-fashioned. Um, ringing on my 1996 Nokia. Oh, um, excellent. So, yeah, <laughs> probably st probably works better than the ones today. They they seem to always break there anyway. There you go, all those mod cons. So, so, so anyway, high, well, I was going to say high so, school was, was would have been 
quite hard for you with all of those things happening. So, I mean, what it was were you... hard. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it was hard because, you know, uh, I mean, he, it, for, I must say, and if any parents listen, for me, the, hard, the only time I really needed guidance, my father so much, was when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, going on, wondering what I was going to do after I finished high school. Do I go to uni? Do I go here? Do I go there? What am I going to do? Do I do an apprenticeship? And funnily enough, I used to love cooking, you know. I used to love cooking and um, um, I always thought, oh, I want to be a chef. And my dad had a great mate on the ocean liners. Uh, he used to just have these catering on all those, I think P&O in those days or something. I almost did that, but then, as I say, it all sort of fell down when he got sick, and I just collapsed pretty much and just existed for a long time. And it took me a long time to get out of his death. Actually, not till not so long ago. Um, it was weird. Um, yeah, it was it was terrible. But and the other thing I understand mm. with young people is that you know drugs and alcohol. I, I was. Funnily enough, raised in a hotel, but never, I don't drink very much. I, you know, I have a glass of red or something. I'm not much of a drinker and I don't do drugs. So I've been very blessed because a lot of people I know at the moment are going through a terrible time with crystal meth. Um, mm. And apparently it's an insidious drug. And I've seen a few friends like collapse and now sleeping and living in their cars, lost everything. Mm. So, I'm, I'm not for drugs, but don't, if you're going to do it, don't do that one. Do something else. <laughs> so I've been very blessed in that area that I've, I've uh, avoided it. But I took on, you know, comedy and laughter. I, laughter really got me through a lot of bad, bad problems. And in those days, you know, with the VHS, you know, I used to love the old 1930s Marx Brothers movies and here's Lucy and Lucille Ball was a great comedian and yeah. um, all those sort of people and the Tales and maybe the Munsters and all, you know, all those. Matt, you know, it gets smart. Anything to make me laugh just to bring my mood up because, you know, I was so down and I had that resilience. I thought it's funny that looking back at now that I actually did go to comedy to just to boost me, just to keep me going and it did. Mediums mm. offer so much. They're great, great in the world, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I guess from from those years, teenage years, you obviously would have left school, and then later, later in life, you would have uh, started on changing rooms. What was what was happening in between? In between that? <laughs> well, I I I bought a couple of houses in Brisbane, and I did them up and one I sold and one was rented and I slow I used to do that in the early days that's what I really loved and right. um, I've always really enjoyed I was only 18 when I first started doing that 18 19, oh 19 because I went overseas for a year and after I left school and did that whole thing of Europe and and then Asia because um, I'd done all of Australia um, when I was whilst growing up a lot of school trips so I thought it's time to push myself and go overseas. So I did all that and loved it. But um, it opened my eyes. I mean, Australia was very different, you know, 30 years ago, I can tell you. So, um, and learned a lot about food. I remember coming back and cooking for my grandparents and family. I cooked, um, 
um, stir fries, you know, and I'm like, oh, and noodles, rice noodles, like, oh, we don't really eat this. But I said, just try it. And once they did, they loved it. And, was, you know, pastas, lots of pastas and lasagna and oh, um, yeah. goulash and things like that. I mean, very foreign. I remember raised, as I say, in Charleville, there was one Chinese restaurant and you'd go up there on a Sunday night uh, when the hotels weren't open on a Sunday in those days and you'd go up mm. with, your pan, with your pot and you'd buy a pint or a quart of, um, you know, fried rice and um, Are you curry serious? Broth. And, Take your pot. You, know, you, you took your own bowl. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing with takeaway containers. <laughs> maybe more economical, you know, plastic. Mm. Reuse the pot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so anyway, I, I've always, as far as the cooking thing, I've always loved that and always loved travel. And, and, and I learned a lot of understanding of people in that time too because you know, I couldn't speak a lot of the languages, so you learn to improvise as much as you can through gesture and um, through gesture, basically. Um, so I always got on, but, you know, I, it's funny. Um, I, I, yeah, I love people and I love other cultures. I love exploring. So, yeah. Well, And I still do that, as you know, I just come back and... It keeps us open and, and understanding of other people and their nature and, and qualities of other cultures too. You know, we need to be respectful of that, as they do when they're here in our land. It's, I think that's important as well. It's important to assimilate. I can understand that now more so. So how did you get from, from I guess, all of that life um, into into the Nine Network with, you know, obviously with changing rooms and renovation rescue and amazing homes. Yeah, yeah, that was great fun. Um, well, Michael Healy, well, funny, Richard Lyle, who's the chief censor at Nine, I knew, and I was the downstairs border at one point in his house, too, and I came huh. to Sydney, and that's another story, because I was, when I came back from an overseas trip in my early 20s, I'm, there was a girl who was a great friend of mine, and she got me, well, introduced me to the Rajneesh, which is, I think they were in Perth quite a bit, the, they call them the orange people, not the Hare Krishnas, the Bhagwan, mm-hmm. Rajneesh, Osho. Yeah. So I eventually got into that and had the name um, Anand Pankaj, which was Blissful Lotus, you know, meaning that out of all the muck blossoms this beautiful flower. Well, I wish it, I'm sick of the muck. I'm getting better at it. I think I'm starting to to bloom a little bit these days, <laughs> but it's interesting. They had a great sense of humour, and it, my, as I said, my name was Anand. Oh, it's Pankaj. They'd either, and they used to call me uh, Dirty Lily more than Blissful Lotus. So um, <laughs> it, it was a fun time, and I I was in that for about five years, I think five years. So it was a real self-discovery time. Um, it was hard coming out. It was hard. People say, was it a cult? Uh, I was, I think, more in control because I decided when I went in and I decided when I wanted to leave. Mm. So, um, but it was hard coming back into the real world. It's funny, you know, when you're in a, I'm going to say, a meditative state because I, you know, you're in a, I don't know, you transcend in a different energy, different way of thinking. But when you have to come back to this real world, it was, it was a hard time. Mm. So I went into therapy. But that's what I'm <laughs> well, well, um, 
I, I said to you that I might throw in a surprise. Sorry, I'm prattling as well. But you asked me about the nine. So then I started doing more little places up and I did jobs for other people in yep. doing units and houses. And Michael Healy, who's the uh, national programmer at Channel 9, heard of me and said, you know, would you supervise the, my house? And um, I did and I had a team of workmen and I remember I made a lot of furniture for him and we recycled a lot of incredible veneers, old veneers from uh, old tables and wardrobes and I had this great fellow called Michael Allinger who lives north of Sydney. He's a great craftsman and he made Michael's uh, wonderful furniture, beautiful recycled, using recycled uh, veneers that are no longer available. And um, the place was great and I you know, did the colours and I went to auctions and bought a lot of artwork and because tri- I loved tribal Aboriginal work and New mm. Guinea uh, work. Um, I love the feel and passion of in those pieces. So used a lot of that in his house and it was fantastic. And then a few months later he said, do you, do you want to work on a TV show? I said, no. He goes, why not? I said, because I'm very shy. And he goes, shy? <laughs> You're not shy. And I said, well, I am. I'm not a performing poodle. I remember saying, I'm not going to jump through hoops when someone says to do it. And he, you know, carrying on. And he said, look, just come in and see. I went, no, no, no. And anyway, eventually I went in. And, and eventually I got the job. And eventually I accepted it. And, and I loved it from the first day. There was a wonderful man called Terry Cox, who's a cameraman, and he saw. And funnily enough, years later we found out we we're born a day apart. Wow. And um, he was incredibly passionate about his work and his angles and his shots. And and I, on the first day, even I was, was equally as passionate and wanted. It's important for me to know through the lens of the camera what what is the shot, what is the you know, what's within contained in that shot, even the lighting and all that. I love all that. I love all that. I love it behind yeah. in front of camera. And you've got to know both, I think. Um, and then relax and get on with it. But mm. And Dave Barber, who was a great help, who started as co-producer or, or creator of the block, he and Julian Chris. But I worked with Dave in that first day ever I worked. And um, he was a new and budding producer then. And with been friends ever since. He, he, he's quite a lovely man, really, and his family's got a great wife and children. Um, and a very gifted chap, and quite spiritual, too. He's very into himself, and yeah, he's good. So that was a great time, and Susie yeah. was, and who was the host of Still Great Mates, went to her wedding last year. She's now had the baby, little Ruby, and I constant contact with her and go down to Melbourne and see her and her husband, Nick. And Ruby the wow. lady. So we've all remained friends, and um, I love that. But it got to a point where I'd had enough of that show. I must admit, I said, that's enough for me. The people that we worked with, um, the talent, I hate that word, but the people, the houses we were doing, they, um, they just got a little bit too savvy and a little bit too aggressive. You know, it's like the fun had gone, and they were getting very serious about it and aggressive about it. And I thought, it's enough now but it's amazing when years later when I was doing Ready Steady all these young school kids would come and go when are you going to go back and do 
um, you know, renovation shows or and even the older people say, oh, we love you on this, love, but when are you going to do a renovation show again? It's like, yeah. well, I don't know. I'm happy doing with what I'm doing, but now I'm free and easy. I'm open to anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe you could buy in a... Uh, oh, that's a bit house and gardens, really, isn't it? Uh, let's say in and out. Well, you never know. The genre is back at the moment, isn't it? The which? Well, the, the, the whole genre of sort of, uh, you know, the homes, gardens, the whole that sort of lifestyle th- things really coming back into the schedule now. It dropped off for a little while, but now it's very much back in. Oh, okay. I, I, I've been away. I haven't seen. Um, well, I mean, the, the blocker of, of, you know, you would know it came, came, yeah. came back and it was stripped, you know, seven o'clock weeknights, and uh, that was a huge success. And then obviously. Yeah, well, that's Scotty Camwood, so he's a wonderful, been a great mate to me in terms of many reasons. But anyway, so, oh, okay. And Shelley Craft was in it too, wasn't she? Yes. I'm going to. Uh, yeah. I'm going to attempt to uh, try to articulate this next question as best as I can. Um, oh, are these listeners' questions? Is that how this works? Well, people have written these these questions for me, or you've written them. No, I've I've written them, but based on uh, some things that people ask about. Now, now one of the comments from people on message boards. I don't know if they're curious or not. They're just asking. All right. Okay. Go on. All right. They don't mean they. <laughs> They do ask if if you're gay. In, in fact, a little. Uh, in fact, I did drag uh, once. I'll say that. In a school <laughs> play, I played for, um, France with someone I can't remember in Calamity Jane, and um, everyone said, "Rather pretty, aren't you?" Um, but I guess any any <laughs> at that age, you're quite androgynous at fifteen, aren't you? Fourteen. Um, so that's my last thing of gay. Gay doesn't mean. Um, drag, of course, I mean, because we know a lot of very straight men who love to dress up in drag, so that's, there's many levels, isn't there? Well, football, um, footballers do it all the time. Footballers do it all the time, I hear that. Oh, oh I don't know, I know a couple, but I don't know personally. Um, but, but I did a little bit of, I had a look on the on the net about your personal life, and, you know, because obviously celebs, are, are, well, I don't know you know. about your personal life or anyone else's, it's no one's business but, really, is it? Well, it's I mean, not, but, honest, but, there's not, not a lot of personal life in my life as far as sexuality goes because there's, I can't remember the last time I was intimate with someone, to be absolutely honest about it, mm. which um, it would be nice. But, mm. um, yeah. but the, the, I, the, I admire anyone. Like when I was just in Europe, my God, I went to Spain. I've never seen so many beautiful, amazing-looking women and beautiful, amazing-looking men. I mean, you can't deny how you can't deny beauty and um, I say to very straight friends of mine, he's a very attractive man, they go, oh, I don't know and I go, what do you mean you don't know? You know what attractive is and they go, well, you know, I feel embarrassed to say. Well, I said, if no one else was listening, would you think he's attractive? Yeah, he's hot, like he's a good looking guy, he obviously works out and I go, there you go. So it's fine to say that there's nothing wrong with you, it's not like you want to sleep with him. You just mm. admire him. And you can, women do it. Women seem to do it all the time. Of course, um, yeah. To each other, you know, they can do it. But men go, oh, there's nothing wrong. It's that whole bloody conditioning again. It's all right to appreciate beauty. It's okay to say 
you know, it's lovely to see now. Do you know uh, one little thing? It's funny. On one of the series of Ready Steady, um, there was I never because you know I don't have a computer and all that stuff, so I never read anything. I wouldn't know anything about myself. It's probably very healthy. Um, <laughs> that um, someone told me that someone wrote, "Oh, you are very touchy feely. You you hug all the men and that." And I said, "But I hug all the women too." And and it's also for a bit of effect, you know, we had the footballers on and I said, I touched his arm and I said, your arm, it spans like the width of his forearm was the, oh, the what do you call it, the, the upper arm? Yeah. Like, anyway. And biceps. Is, is his bicep, is his big, when I stand my hand, which is like nine or ten inches wide. Maybe <laughs> 22 centimeters. I mean, and I remember... And I said, does that go all the way down? He goes, yep. And then he lifted his shirt up and, and all the men and women yelled, went, you know, wolf whistling. And I said, well, I said, you should be admired. You work very hard on that body. And I, then I said, could you imagine, ladies, and some of you men, I said, could you imagine 13 of these big men running at you on the field, tackling them? They'll go, yes, you can. I can. I said, you're all filthy. You're dirty people. Stop it. Be sensible. Can you imagine, in all seriousness, and they all go, yes, I can, I'd love it. So, you know, sex plays a bit of a part in everything and nothing wrong with good-looking people. And um, I'm on TV, I'm not terribly attractive. I mean, I'm okay, but, you know, I'm not a stud. Um, so I think it's good to admire people. But the outcome of the hugs, and I stopped hugging, sorry, I go back and forth here, I hmm. stopped hugging, and then all the men, when they come on, they go, they say to me when they come up, I shake their hand. They go, "Don't, don't I get a hug?" So I thought, "I'll give a hug." Hugging is good, and you see now again, especially in Europe, it's interesting the whole greeting of you know the kiss on either cheek. At any mm. age, the boys all do that, you know. Within, um, and it's beautiful if you really care and love someone, you know, give them a hug. And mm. I always say, I don't want to be crying on someone tombstone and great at the funeral going oh if I'd only shown you some love and I'd have hugged you and resolve the issue Res I always say resolve the issue now get on with it I learned that from an early age mm. from losing people when I you know when my dad died I, I it was hard I wasn't so expressive and I learned from that that I I don't know I, I also think acknowledging that someone's passing when I was a child or affection meant that I probably mightn't see them again and I didn't want to acknowledge that. Mm. Well, emotionally, I must admit, at that time I shut down. I'm, in many areas of my life, emotionally, I'm quite shut down like that and yet very open in other areas. But were your family, um, you know, like to keep things keep things personal? I mean, the, the reason I ask is because being in the public figure, I mean, a lot of your personal life come comes out as well. People are interested, you know, they read new idea and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, there's very little about you that can be found online about your personal life. I mean, is it just that you prefer to keep your personal life personal, or, or actually nobody's really asked you and nobody cares? <laughs> no, one really, no one really asked me. No one really cares. I don't think. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't know. And. I don't go around asking people about their personal lives just because, you know, I'm on TV. I mean, I go and ask the, the I mean, I, a lot of people see the the doctor's secretary, you know, where I go to. And 
I know her quite well, but I never really pry into anything. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why people were so interested. You need to look at their own lives and what's going on for them. As we all know, it can be a distraction for for yourself, worrying about mm. other people's business. Mm. Well, let's move <laughs> Move on to to Ready Steady Cook. Your your departure came with with some controversy, but I was just wondering about your arrival. I mean, you replaced the the previous host, uh, Nick Stratford. Exactly. I replaced someone, and someone's replaced me. What, what what were the circumstances of of taking over that role? Did did he choose to leave, or or was was he given the boot in favour of you? Mm, I think so. I don't think it really initially they wanted me. Uh, I think the difference between let me start at Channel Ten wanted a different person than myself. Um, so, um, no, that fellow, uh, Nick, his name was, I never met him, I never, I saw the show for a moment. And again, the only thing I thought what was wrong for me with the choice of Nick was his height, in that when you look through the lens of the camera, again, back to the basics for me, when you look through the lens of the camera, he was very tall, so your shots were very long for close-up. I know that's mm. um, not unemotional, but that's just that's the way I viewed it and saw it. So um, you lose a lot of connection with height, you know, when they're overly tall like that. I think, mm. um, and you needed someone maybe shorter, and uh, I don't know what else. But certainly, that was the first thing I thought that was wrong with. Um, well, you end up, you end up uh, ho hosting hundreds of episodes of the show. Um, tell me about that experience. Eight hundred, I think we did. Mm. Eight thirty or something. Yeah, no, it was a lot. I'd love to have been there for the thousands, but oh, it wasn't meant to be. Um, no, I worked very hard on the show, and. When eventually I was selected, I mean, my vision was very different to what I saw. I watched an episode, the old episode of that show, eventually, and then I said, look, this is all wrong. And they said, well, how would you do it? So I wrote out a format the way I would do it, that you'd have someone coming down through the audience. You'd have the audience shown, participating, reacting to the audience, and therefore would be lit. Um, and that's is great. I think it becomes like a wonderful, you know, friendly family. Um, mm. People just having a good time. And then that goes through the screen. That warmth and, and love goes through the screen and fun and fun. People mm. want fun and laughter. As I said earlier, you know, um, fun and laughter is huge. You've got to keep laughing in life. I know when I stop, it's not very pretty. Mm. And... Um, so eventually, they, again, I, as I said, I got the gig and the chefs slowly warmed to me. It took a season. Some of them weren't sure about my touchy-feely and self and also my um, uh, openness, you know, I prying into their personal selves. And they didn't like that, funnily enough. Like, I'm not liking it with you. No, no. Um, no, I never got that personal. Anyway, they um, learned to trust me and saw that I think, oh, I know they think that I never wanted to hurt them. And, you know, my exposure of them and also exposing myself, you know, 
little bit self-deprecating like that. I think that's important to, to show that yourself, but don't take it all so seriously. And this too shall pass is a great, one of my favourite sayings of life. Thy own self be true, and this too shall pass. And another one I discovered, there's no such thing as, as security. Mm. So I'm learning a lot as I get older. Um, yeah, so slowly that, that rapport built and it became more and more friendly and that the ratings built with that and, and the sponsors. You know, we had a huge amount of sponsors and revenue for the company. Mm. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was terrific. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, and, even, and again, the people behind the scenes were wonderful. All those people at Channel 10 were wonderful to work with. Let me ask you a, a fairly direct question. I mean, do you f feel you were an easy person to get along with in terms of, of 10 management and, and production crew? Um, yeah, I think I'm pretty easy to get on with. Um, I heard a report, um, I was told uh, that Rory said, oh, he was very difficult and it's time for him to move on. I don't know. It's a very easy way of dismissing something, you know, someone's very difficult. Well, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen difficult um, on-air talent, oh my God, and the demand. I, I don't think I'm difficult. Let's not forget, maybe you could also ask executive producers, do you think that they're difficult and uncompromising and, um, and stuck? And mm. many, you know, there's a few stories there, which I don't want to go into, but I did ask you that question in in because of actually that quote that you brought up from from Rory Callahan. He actually said it it was me who called him and said, "Don't bother yeah. coming back from Bali. It was a hard production with him, so it was time to move on." That was terrible. There were people apparently from Southern Star then who ex employed or current, I don't know, but that they'd worked with Southern Star. He said that's not true. It was ever it was fine to work with it was Southern Star who were very difficult and made it difficult for him. They were very, quite nasty to me um, a lot of that time. I just never understood it. You can understand, I've never had it the whole time on TV, never anywhere. I, I've never had that. I just, mm. I, I, I could never understand. And <laughs> you could ask, and look, I don't want to get into all this, but yeah. there are some, you know, and there were some nasty things said about me when I left, which I'd heard about as well, really nasty. It's like saying as well, though, you know, difficult, someone's emotional. Oh, they're very emotional. There's such a dismissive way. It's such an easy word to throw around, you know, if it doesn't suit them. It's a power thing to say. Some, oh, they're very difficult. Unlike management would never be difficult. Mm. I mean, it's just nonsense. Um, I take, you know, where I work very personal, you know, personally and seriously, you know, and 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 proud, you know, I I um that it was bad enough getting a phone call and be told all this stuff, you know, here you are making them a lot of money, increasing product, exposing of myself. I used to, and they never really liked the way they did the concept of the show for start, which I never really understood because they got their ratings. Why so wouldn't you just shut up about it and get on with it? If they mean difficult and that, that I wouldn't comply, then that that's probably true. I don't know. 
that mean physical? Um, I'd be interested, like, if they ever wanted to. I mean, look at them really running life, but if they ever wanted to define physical, you know, it's great to be have this ability and talk of the past, but you know, we're all well and alive and doing pretty well in life, and I'm I'm incredibly grateful for life. And if it's the universe's way to say you need to get out of there and move on, and do. Mm. No one should be in a bad relationship, you know. I don't care if it's work or personally. Just don't have, just move on, you know. Mm. Acknowledge it and let go and move on. It's got to be better. We all have choices in life, you know. We all have choices. And that is a great gift. Freedom and choices, especially in this land, in this country. We have freedom and choices. Mm. And people put the buts. It's the, you know, the but, but, I can't be, but because I can't, but whatever. Just get on and do it. Get on and do it. Don't blame others for you for all the misery and misfortune. Um anyway. I do want to ask you though what about about what happened sorry, afterwards sorry. because I mean I know that you don't watch you don't necessarily you know read blogs and what things about you and things like that. But it, but I haven't it's, seen the new chat um um what's his name? I'm sorry uh, Colin Lane. Colin yeah. Um, but I said to one of the chefs when he started, I said, please wish him well. I mean, it's it's a, it, it's a small industry and it's tough out there. And I don't wish anyone any harm. I certainly never said anything ill of Colin, against Colin. Um, I haven't even seen the show. I, I don't watch it. Mm. Um, I had a lot of reports away from overseas, a lot of people coming up saying, are you on a holiday because we miss you on the show? And I said, no, mm. I'm being replaced. And it was funny... When you said about that phone call, it was in Phuket, really, I was going. And I was at the airport with a young fellow, um, Tyler Lewis, who lives in um, Perth. A number of months earlier, his dad, Paul Lewis, had contacted me through mail, saying, you know, my um, son absolutely loves you. It's got him through so much. He laughs for an hour with you. And when we weren't allowed to go to the hospital until we said, look, if we can... And he allowed us to come, as he said... You know, you're not allowed to talk through the show because it's, I like to watch Pete and he makes me laugh. Mm. So Paul sent me this letter saying, you know, our son was an up-and-coming Swans boy. Is it Swan? No, the, it's the black and white, the, you know, the, um, what is the football team? Collingwood. Did no, you say no, black and white? Perth. Oh, Perth. West Coast Eagles or Dockers. West Coast Eagles, not the Swans. Mm. Whoops. Whoa. I'm Perth. <laughs> And anyway, he was up and coming little a star there, big boy, and, and got cancer in his legs and had bones replaced, etc. And um, that's why I was in hospital for a number of months and discovered the show. Father wrote these letters and said, look, it'd be great on if you could bring my son or write a letter to him. It would really boost him. So we became friends, all of us, the family. And I said to his dad, look, if he gets better, I'll pay for him to go on a little holiday. So... He cancer was in remission. He was over here in Sydney. We were boarding the plane, and I saw this call from work, and that's where I received the news about um, we think we're moving on with someone younger and you weren't fresh. We think you've had your run. Mm. Um, and it was interesting I got it before. I was a blessing, really, because it put it in perspective for me being away and seeing him getting on with his life Coming, you know, overcoming adversary, adversity like that, and he was incredibly positive and happy about the future. 
Mm-hmm. And he was, he asked me what had happened. He goes, it's all right, mate. You'll be fine. You know, you, you're a talented chap and you'll be fine. You'll get on with it, mate. I am. You'll be fine. So it was great timing the way that I got it before I went away and being there with him in his situation. Um, but I really did get over it early and uh, quickly. It's only when my friends started asking me, saying, this is so unfair, and then different people who watched the show started seeing me and heard about the story. It was released in the paper that I had to relive it all over again. And it's not good reliving bad relationships. What's some always of, a bad relationship it was fantastic working with. Some of those things that happen, though, obviously, are behind the scenes, but viewers that are watching... Um, there was, there was basically, I mean, I'm letting you know, an outpouring of your dismissal. With There were huge, huge, emotive, overwhelming, with people, to be frank, quite distressed that you're not part of the show. I mean, I'm just wondering how the outpouring made you feel. Well, that, that was, I, I, I must say I was numb at first about a lot of things. I just, um, I don't know in my own life, you know, what, you know, where do we go? What do I do now? And, um, um you know, looking at all the options. And but it was it was fantastic to know. Fantastic to know that, that people got so much out of the show, you know. Um it, it, it's fantastic. You know, like it becomes an extension of family and that support system to know that there's a lot of positive things being said about you. I mean that's that's wonderful. It's wonderful mm. to have that. Um and as I said, even through Europe people still came up and gave me hugs and uh, said, you know, we love you and I look forward to seeing you on a new show. And funnily enough, that some of the sponsors phoned me and said, you know, when you get a show or if you've got a concept, we're there for you, all right? I said, all right. Well, that's nice to know. Mm-hmm. But now it's just sort of finding something, really. And But I haven't... I've had a couple of meetings, but nothing, nothing concrete. No one's really offered anything. But that was going to be my next I, I question. What might have come up because every show I've really been on has been um, has been a winner, you know. And when I've left, I left a couple of things at nine. The shows went down, the ratings went down. So the product, it's there, um, you know. It's, it's I don't know. They, they like the character, like me. That's nice. Have so you just where it ends up? Have you considered doing anything? I just. This is only going by the basis of, of this podcast and, and some of your questions. I mean, you 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 very um, have a good connection with people. You've talked about um, you know drugs and things like that. I, I don't have a concept for a show, but I'm just thinking of something that that may not be anything to do with renovating or anything like that, but something to do with families and people. And uh, I I don't I don't really know, but but yeah, um. Is that something that you're that you 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 could think about, or you know, or or, or would you just get back into renovation? I'm ready, steady. That they, I don't think they always like is the fact of drawing attention to things like, you know, um, um, you know, beyond blue or suicide, um, depression, um, losing jobs, da da da. But I, that's all real stuff, and it's overcoming, you know, again the adversity thing and getting on with life. Mm. And, you know, I used to think every show was like a little play. You know, you have your highs and your lows and your laughter and your breaks and your pauses and whatever, you know. And I think people really loved that journey each and every day. 
they, they loved coming along with the, on that journey, you know, and we'd say hello to the Greek community, the Lebanese community, um, lots of, you know, whoever, wherever in the world, you know, and it was a great show for including everybody. I mean, yeah. It was a fantastic concept. You know, and people from England used to come over and say, oh, oh, you know, excuse me, we prefer this show yeah. So, you know, all those positive responses, there's nothing ever really negative. Mm. I wouldn't, and I remember most, any times, especially these fragile times, I wouldn't be changing concepts and people and products. I'd just leave it alone and leave it how it is. Unless someone was dreadful. I don't mm. think I was dreadful at all. And <laughs> difficult, as I was told. Let me ask you um, one final question. Um, I just right, here it is. What 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 do you say to all the people that have uh, haven't quite honestly still keep asking for you, demanding your job back, and want to see you back on the telly? Oh. They'll be listening to this pos- podcast with eagerness to hear about you. What would you like to say to your rather vocal fans? <laughs> well, it's great to see people are so vocal. Stay vocal, everyone. You know, <laughs> Australia is a democracy, and it's important. Speak up about everything that you don't like. I think that's great. Um, well, I'm flattered. That's that's fantastic. Um, gosh. Uh, well, uh, ho- look. Hopefully, we all see each other again somewhere soon on t- TV land. Um, mm. That'd be. That'd, that'd be good. I mean, um, the chef still ring and say, have you heard anything today? We'll invite you back. And I went, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, do I keep in contact? But, uh, but look, you know, maybe we could do another sort of concept. You know, you just have to twig and change things a little for a new show. It doesn't take much. Mm. Um, and there's some imaginative people out there, so I'm sure there'll be a show coming along in no time somewhere. Some perfect channel. Mm. Um, so keep, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I don't think I'll be seeing anyone before Christmas on the television. But uh, no, I'm. Fl- it's it's very nice that people are that passionate, isn't it? Mm. I, I, you know, to bother. I don't. You know, I don't. I can't remember ever bothering to to ring up or go online or whatever. You, I don't have a computer, but to do all those things to make the effort to say, I want that person back or that show back, you know, and it's the power of the people, it's the voice that uh, executives all listen to. So thank you for your power and your voice. Well, Pete Everett, it's been a pleasure. And from um, TV Central and all your fans, we wish you well and um, thanks for checking in and, and allowing us to catch up with you. Oh, it's great, Aaron. Thank you for all those probing questions. Pete Everett, uh, former host of Ready, City Cook an overall legend with his vocal followers that is all from this podcast until the next one, I'm Aaron Ryan for tvcentral.com.au see you then